You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. A physician who is a defendant in a lawsuit is often faced with the decision, do I settle the lawsuit or go to trial? A great defense lawyer can provide the support to help a physician make this critical decision. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, healthcare provider and attorney, and with me is Donna Sokol, JD, medical malpractice defense attorney with her law firm Hughes, Sokol, Piers, Resnick, and Dim. Mrs. Sokol has defended numerous multi-million dollar lawsuits involving brain damage and impaired infants, as well as serious injuries and deaths involving adults and children. Donna has defended physicians in most medical specialties and has also arbitrated matters before the Departments of Professional Regulation on behalf of physicians. Today we are discussing how a physician could decide whether to settle a medical malpractice lawsuit and what methods he or she could use or whether to go to trial. Donna, welcome to Reach MD. Thank you, Bruce. It's a pleasure to be here. So there's a number of ways you can settle a lawsuit, and one of them is called mediation. What is mediation and how does it work? A mediation is a proceeding in which a settlement may be reached. It's an informal, private session in which there may be a plaintiff's lawyer and a defense lawyer working in tandem or a lawyer or even retired judges are the ones that preside usually over this mediation. The parties usually give the mediator a written submission explaining their side of the case and why they feel settlement is in order and what the defenses are. And the mediator suggests what the case should be settled for, but it is in no way binding on the parties. So you said it's an informal proceeding. Is it a legal proceeding? Are there rules that take place? It is not a legal proceeding, and there aren't formal rules like there would be in a courtroom. So is a mediation a voluntary settlement between the two parties or an action to voluntarily settle? It's absolutely a voluntary proceeding. A mediator obviously gets a fee from the parties, and an attempt is made to settle the case. It may happen, it may not happen, and it could take several sessions to settle the case. But as an informal proceeding, the testimony or the dialogue that takes place isn't published anywhere and it's not available for public viewing? Exactly correct. So one of the reasons I might use mediation is to keep things very private during the settlement? That's true. And in fact, the discussions between the mediator and the defendant and between the mediator and the plaintiff are separate and it's usually in two separate rooms, and the information is not shared unless specific permission is given. And if this mediation doesn't work, is all the information that took place during the mediation available if we have to go to trial or not? It's not available. When would a physician think about using a mediator rather than other ways of settling a case? A physician would think about mediation if they wanted to settle the case and they had a lot of respect for the mediator and the process itself, meaning it's a very private, informal process, and information is kept very private, and it is shared only if the physician or the plaintiff, for that matter, wants to share the information. So it's a process in which that can be used to try to settle a case, and if it fails, all the information isn't used for any purpose. Is a settlement through mediation and admission of guilt? No, it's not. And are there any published documents that would say that when a case is settled through mediation? If a case is settled 
for mediation, there is a formal release that's used in any settlement, and that document does say it's not an admission of guilt. But the mediation is just a process in which the parties try to reach a settlement. It's not a formal proceeding in any way. And if I settle through mediation, is that reportable to the National Data Bank? Any settlement is reportable. So I've also heard about arbitration. What's the difference between mediation and arbitration? Arbitration is a more formal proceeding. There are usually three arbitrators, and each side presents the case to an arbitrator and to the arbitration panel as opposed to a judge. So an arbitration is a formal proceeding, but it doesn't have a jury present, and it may or may not be binding depending on the agreement between the parties. Do people give testimony during an arbitration much like they do at a trial? They do. And who asks the question? Do the arbitrators get to ask questions? The arbitrators generally do not ask questions. Occasionally they will, just like a judge will in a courtroom, but usually the parties ask the questions the lawyers for the parties. You are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, and I am speaking with medical malpractice defense attorney Donna Sokol, discussing how physicians decide whether to settle or go to trial in a medical malpractice lawsuit and the kinds of things they can use to get a settlement. So in arbitration, if a settlement is decided, is that reportable to the data bank? That is. Any time any money is paid out on behalf of a physician, it is reportable. So it doesn't matter whether I settle through a mediation, an arbitration, or just discussions with the plaintiff's side, all of those settlements are reportable to the data bank. Yes, that's true. And in an arbitration proceeding, if it's binding, what happens if the arbitration is more than my policy limits? Well, then the physician would be personally responsible, just like a verdict, but usually Uh, There is an agreement with an arbitration that the settlement should be within policy limits. And when there's a non-binding arbitration, do both sides get a chance then when the arbitrators make their decision to decide whether they want to accept it or not? If it's non-binding? Yes. The parties ultimately can decide whether or not they want to accept it. So the physician could like the decision and the plaintiff not or vice versa and the case wouldn't settle? Right. And then what happens? Then it would either go back to trial or settlement, again, could be explored in another fashion, either by communicating with the plaintiff's lawyer or through a mediation or even through a pretrial. And a pretrial is simply where a judge presides and tries to settle the case. Of all the cases that you've tried, what percentage would you say actually end up going to trial? I would say 10 to 15%. And of those cases that go to trial, how often would you say the physician side prevails? 70 to 80% of the time. And of the remaining 85 or 90% of the cases that don't go to trial, how many of those or what percentage goes away with no payment made to the patient? I don't know if there's any statistic on that that I'm aware of, but a lot of those cases are either dropped because they're viewed as Um, non-meritorious or, in certain instances, they might be dismissed by a judge for a variety of reasons, or, um, you know, a party may be given summary judgment, meaning everybody agrees on the facts and there just is no malpractice that can be found as a matter of law. So as an attorney, when would you recommend to me that we should go forward for trial? 
I would recommend it if you felt strongly about your care. You had a well-documented chart, and we had uh, a couple, one or two expert witnesses that were strong and favorable for our defense. What would make an expert witness strong and favorable? How do you find those kinds of experts? To find a good expert witness, you have to do a lot of research and investigation. You want someone who's knowledgeable in a particular subspecialty, who's written on it, who's perhaps taught about it, and you find it by doing a research review on the topic. And also look in the jury verdict reporters to see what the success rate has been of a given expert in terms of prevailing in front of a jury. So when I come to you and you're my malpractice attorney, you saying that you don't want the other physicians that I know from the neighborhood being my expert witnesses? I may, and I may not, but I'm going to have my own experts that I've either worked with before or that I know and have known through the years because of, you know, my experience. And I absolutely welcome your input, but we'll work together to find the best one, and you certainly could be part of that decision. And a lot of uh, physicians are part of the decision as to what experts they want. When my expert goes in for his or her deposition, do I get to be there as the defendant? If you want to be, you absolutely are entitled to be at any part of the proceeding that you choose to be. And in your experience, what percentage of defendants actually show up for those kinds of proceedings? A very, very small percentage. You think that's because they trust their attorneys or because it's just too hard to get away from their practice? I'm not sure what the reason is. A lot of times it means an out-of-town trip if you can't find a local expert. A lot of times, you know, doctors just have a lot of patients and can't get away from their practices. So you're saying that if you find an expert for me who's in San Francisco, you might actually have to go to San Francisco to depose that person rather than flying them here? I absolutely do have to go to wherever that expert is. Very few experts are willing to take the trip, and in addition, you'd be paying their hourly rate, which could be quite substantial just for flying them in. And would my malpractice carrier pay for me to go on that trip if I needed to be in San Francisco at that expert's deposition? The malpractice carrier, some of them have a flat rate that they will give for a physician attending a certain proceeding, including the expert, including the plaintiff's deposition, but I do not believe that would include travel fees, travel expenses. So we've talked about mediation, arbitration, and going to trial. So give us an idea, how long does the average mediation actually take? An average mediation could take anywhere from a couple hours to a day, I'd say, on average. So we're going to know by the end of eight or ten hours whether or not we're making enough progress that this is going to come to some settlement. Right. And generally, that's true. And what about arbitration? How long does your average arbitration usually take? In a medical malpractice case, again, probably a day. But I would say that arbitrations are not used that frequently in malpractice cases because physicians don't want the arbitration to be binding. And then... Let's talk about trials. So how long does the average medical malpractice trial take? Depending on the complexity of a case, anywhere from weeks to months. So mediation takes a day or two, and a trial could take weeks to months. Yes. And do you think that plays into some physician's decision on whether or not to settle? Obviously it does. 
because a lot of physicians can't be away from their practices that long. So do I have to be there the whole time my trial is on? It's best to be. It's best to be because the jury's there every day, and although we can tell them that you have other patients and you can't be away from your practice for two or three weeks, they're there, and it's a good idea for the physician to be there every day, especially if the trial's going to take a week or two or three. A physician is well-trained to support a patient in making a medical decision. A good attorney can help a physician make the decision to settle a medical malpractice lawsuit or go to trial. I want to thank attorney Donna Sokol, who has been our guest discussing how a physician and attorney can work together to make this vital decision. I am attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.